Fans of the Dynasty Invest podcast, if you feel like there was one particular episode in the back catalogue in the anthology of Dynasty Invest podcast episodes that really, really, really was massively valuable to you, feel free to share that with a fellow dental colleague who's in a similar position so their understanding of finance can be elevated and they can hit the next level of financial success in their life. Also, as well as that, if you could take two seconds to rate and review this podcast, it would mean the world to me. What that would mean is that it drives this podcast further in terms of reach so that more dentists across the world can be able to benefit from the knowledge contained therein. Welcome. Welcome. Welcome to the Dentists Who Invest podcast. On Dentists Who Invest with my good friend Barry Olton, a little impromptu. We were going to shoot a podcast and then we thought, why not have some fun and go live on the community because it's been flipping ages since I've done one. I'm sat here with my good friend Barry Olton and we're going to talk all things profitability in our dental practice, especially in the current cost of living crisis. Barry, how are you, my friend? I'm rocking, mate. It's so good to see you. Rocking. Um, thanks I love for having me. Music. I would just angle so I can see myself. Yeah, good. I'm really good. I'm really good. Um. Very interesting that we're talking about profiting. Um, some of my clients and myself, I've had the best financial month ever, I think. In the last... Really? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But we'll, really? chat, we'll chat through that and why. Yeah, no, we definitely, because I, there's a lot of people out there who will be saying the opposite right now, especially in the cost of living crisis, inverted commas. Barry, we were talking off camera and I just wanted everybody to know this as well. Just before we came on live, Barry and I were talking off camera. Those paintings behind Barry were drawn by Barry's daughter. What a phenomenally talented young lady. Isn't that just fabulous? It's her, her handle on Insta is Amelia Brook Art. Okay. Amelia <laughs> Shout out to Amelia. She gets hopefully she gets a few followers out of this. Those are flipping fantastic. You know, you know, whenever I look at drawings like the Mona Lisa or you know any form of art, okay, with any form of art that actually resembles a person, of which there are lots, right? That just baffles me. I have no idea how someone can be that skilled at drawing because. <laughs> From my frame of reference, when I draw, it looks terrible. You know, it, I'm I'm like, you know, whenever I draw and then you're trying to guess what it is to kind of save my feelings, quite often times people don't have no idea what it is. Okay, that's actually how bad it is, even though I'm now 31. So when I see something like that, I'm just blown away. I'm, I'm honestly, I'm blown away. So hats off. Fair play. I, I appreciate I appreciate. Where did the art come from? Did it come from you or your mother? Uh, actually, me, I'm quite artistic. I have to say it. Yeah. Okay. 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 Yeah. yeah. I wanted to do art as a kid, but I wasn't allowed. Um, my dad was like, it's, it's a nice hobby to have, but it, you can't make a living out of it. So when my eldest was like, daddy, I want to do art. I was like, yeah, come on, let's do it. So this is her. We share this space as it's her, uh, her art studio and my office. Right, got you, because you're in the middle of moving house at the minute, right? So this is, this is, this <laughs> yeah. is your office, right? Kind of. So the other side of here is the garage where my myself, Chloe, and the boys are living. So we're currently living in our garage. Right, okay. And that's, yes, because I remember I remember you telling me that you're between houses, but things are looking up now, right? The house is... Oh, mate, yeah, we've, um, we had the... It was funny, actually, because I phoned Chloe and I went, oh, my God, the plumber's here. This is on Monday. And he went, um, excuse me, heating engineer. And I, and I thought, <laughs> fair play, fair play. That's like me going dentist and somebody goes, excuse me, cosmetic dentist. So 
our heating engineer has actually got the heating on today. So that's the first time. So, yeah, it's great. We're looking forward to it. And it's a story. You know, the story of of how we've lived together for four months in a garage. Yeah. No, it's been interesting, the, right? Well, the, it's something you'll look back. And I, that's, I try to remind myself of those sorts of things. One day I'll look back and laugh. Maybe that's how you felt the last four months. Anyway, the heating engineer has come. The Messiah is here. The house is now warm, flipping fabulous. Anyway, Barry, let's talk about the things we're probably supposed to talk about today, which is profitable practices. And you said something just a second ago that this month has been your most profitable month. And that will dumbfound a lot of people, given what's going on in the background. Maybe it might be nice to just explore that and how how you did that. Okay. Well, I think it's actually uh, what's just come to mind is that I think one of the things I think I'm very good at is finding the silver lining out of the shit. Okay. Is finding, you know, what is, is having gratitude regardless of what's going on. So the fact that we're living in the garage and it's bloody cold uh, and I've, what I've done is I've insulated the ceiling what I've actually, what I'm saying to myself is this has been a wonderful opportunity for the four of us to be in the same room and to be in the same space and to spend time with one another. It's also a great opportunity that when we move into our house, we will enjoy it more and we'll appreciate it more. And actually transfer that into practice right now is that there's a lot of people going, this is really bad. There's the cost of living. And if we focus on that, it's a mindset, right? If we focus on that, the answer is yes, it is. And yes, it can be. And then we miss all of the good that's coming out of this. And this is an opportunity to, with my clients yesterday, I was talking about, you know, they're competing on price locally with people. I'm, I'm charging this for Invisalign because the people around the corner. And I said, look, you're competing on price. And what we really ought to be doing is using this as an opportunity to compete on service is to, see this as a chance to cement the relationships that we've already got with our existing patients to add more value to those existing patient relationships, but also to demonstrate to people that are new, just how good we are, how caring we are, because they will still spend the money that they need to, in order to be fit and healthy. And they are far more likely to spend the money on the, additional would like to haves with you either now or in the future. So I think there is a huge opportunity right now, um, both in terms of building our relationships with patients and actually ultimately building a business. So yeah, I, I just had the highest grossing month I've had for, I think for the last five years of being an associate. So as an associate, I've been uh, working, I work three days a week. I owned my practice obviously for 20, 20 years and I've been an associate now for four and a half. And last month I worked three days a week. I don't do implants. I do very little ortho and my gross was 71 grand. And that is, I know, right. But that's because of the systems that we have of the way that we carry our patients through the patient journey and the choices that we give our patients and then help them choose. So and it, it's, it, we transfer those into our clients and it just works. And it's all about service. It's not about money. And accidentally, we end up making more money. So it's about two key things that I think have made a big difference. And that is how we zone our diaries to allow us to be productive 
and it's how we conduct our examinations and our treatment planning is that we do we go through every single tooth with the patient allowing them to make a choice and i think i think there's an opportunity now for everybody to just look at their processes look at their systems and look at where they can tweak develop and grow and change their systems to improve them because it'll help now but without a shadow of a doubt it'll help in the future I love that. And you know what? I'm really intrigued to delve into those two things that you mentioned just there, just so we can understand by all means a little bit more about them because the whole point of this podcast and all the content in Dentistry Invest is to give value. And the reason I really like these sorts of podcasts is you can quite literally hear something within the next 40 minutes that you can go take to work tomorrow and increase your profitability. Not so you can be like, oh yeah, loads of money and all of that stuff, but so that you can offer a better service to your patient because ultimately if each hour is more profitable. You can give other people more time and give them a higher level of service. That's the trap that people fall into. They think that there's only one dimension to being able to give someone good value, and that's to decrease the price as much as possible. There's actually two ways to give your patients the best value. One is to basically decrease decrease your prices way down to nothing. That's a race that nobody wants to win, okay? No. The other way is to make the product so good that no matter what someone pays you, it's still good value because you would rather have one kilogram of gold that's priced at £1,000 than 50 kilograms of wood that's priced at £100, wouldn't you? Because 50 kilograms of wood is just a huge old lump of wood. What are you going to do with that? You'd rather actually have some gold, some really valuable stuff, even though there's less of it, even when the investment is higher. And for me, I love that little analogy because it makes people think, oh, actually, clearly price can't be the only factor. It's totally to do with the quality of the product. Otherwise, I'd rather have the wood. I love it. Let's just quantify what the product is, because in my model of the world, the product is not the dentistry. Too many, too many people focus on the quality of the dentistry. Now, it's got to be good, right? Let's say that seven out of 10 is great dentistry. Let's agree that it has to be seven out of 10. Most patients do not give a hoot whether it's seven, eight, nine, or 10, because they, they don't have an appreciable understanding of the difference. It's us, it's people like me that want the dentistry to be 10 out of 10. But too many dentists and too many practices strive for 10 out of 10 in the dentistry at the cost of what the real product and service is, and that is the patient journey. Is that in my model of the world, if your dentistry is seven out of 10, seven and eight out of 10, but your patient journey is nine or 10 out of 10, you are there for the long game. You get constant recommendations and referrals. You get a greater uptake on treatment. If your dentistry is 10 out of 10, but your patient journey is five out of 10, then you're struggling. Imagine, imagine you go out for a Michelin star meal, right? And you're in this environment and you know that the food is impeccable, but what you hear is the maitre d' and the sommelier having a blazing row in the back. And you hear the chef bawling out and effing and jeffing at the, the juniors. And it just spoils the journey. It spoils that whole process because the food can be wonderful. But if the atmosphere and the ambiance isn't there, it can destroy it. 
Yet you can go for a meal and if it's a seven, eight out of 10 and they're attentive and they clearly demonstrate that they support one another and it's a lovely environment and everybody's enjoying themselves. You talk about that being a wonderful experience so that you've got to get both of these things right. And I think now is an opportunity for people to really begin to focus on their patient journey. It's begin to look at, we, you know, we've done what we've done all these years what can we do to tweak it that might make a difference? And, and that's where zoning comes in, the how you process. We do a co-pilot examination, which um, ultimately massively changed the value of our examination. Um, so typically, shall I explain this? Is this worth it? Yeah, yeah, I'm all ears. Okay, so what used to happen is a patient would come in and I was, I was one of the old school mixed practice dentist which i would say hey james how are you any problems or i'd ask that freaking awful question james how are your teeth right and anybody watching this is going to go oh i've been guilty of that some of you might be going oh i just did that half an hour ago (laughs) but i would say any problems and the patient would go no 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 problems since i saw you last and so then i'd be looking around for anything obvious because i was indoctrinated in being a bit of a firefighter and the firefighting was any problems. Oh yeah. I've got a chipped tooth. It was like, da-da. it's like I pulled up my <laughs> super dentist. I can fix that. And I ended up doing single tooth dentistry very well. Right. But single tooth dentistry. And if they didn't have a problem, I was like my own worst enemy and their worst enemy in not wanting them to spend money. And I'd be like, but you got these old feelings. I'll keep an eye on them. And it was the adage. If it ain't broke, don't fix it. Yeah. I'd look around their mouth. I know in my head, I'm doing an oral cancer screening. I may be doing a BPE. I'm looking at what's going on. And then I go, yeah, everything's fine. And that was it, right? There really wasn't a great deal of information shared because it was really focusing on, do you have a problem? And if you don't have a problem, everything's all right. So I developed a a co-pilot system. You know, like you get into a plane and you've got the co-pilot and the pilot and the co-pilot gets his manual out and he goes, right, uh, wing check. And the captain goes, jit, jit. yeah, wings, check. Engine one, lights on, check. And they go through this checklist. But it's verbalized. That's what we do in our examinations, all of our examinations. It's in our exact. I've written it out. And for me, it's nurse led. There are several benefits to this. Number one is. I'm a shiny object syndrome kind of guy. I'm, I'm global. I'm like a mag, magpie. I'm like, oh, shiny object, and I'm off. And it was easy for me to get waylaid in my examination process when I saw that somebody was parafunctioning, because that's one of my areas of special interest. And I'd get deep into conversations about, oh, you're grinding your teeth and blah, 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 blah. And then I would have forgotten to do the BPE. That was the most common thing I forgot. And it would get to the end, the patient would go, and the nurse would say, oh, you didn't do a BPA. And I was like, ah, oh, sugar, medical legally, it's really important. So it means that I don't forget anything. Next thing that's beneficial is the nurse is much more heavily involved. And that, I think, makes my nurse feel more involved and more important because she is incredibly important. But it also elevates her in the mind of the patient. But the most important thing is that with this co-pilot system going on over the patient, and I say, look, well, you're going to hear us say a few things. 
at the end, when I first introduced it, old patients would sit up and go, whoa, you've never done that before. And my response was, do you know what? I've always done that. I just never told you what I was doing. And the perceived value of our clinical examinations went through the roof because they then were like, oh, my God, these guys actually do so much. And so co-pilot diagnosis, co-pilot exams massively change things. So you mean just to dissect that for two seconds, and you might have said this at the start, and it might be me as the only person who missed it. You mean toing and froing about the system that you have for your exam, the nurse calling out Barry BPEs, Barry hard tissues, Barry soft tissues, something like that. Exactly, exactly, exactly right. So we have a systemized approach, as you would in your head, as we do on our notes, but my nurse is calling it out. So she'll say muscles of mastication, temporalis. I'll be doing my palpation. I'll say temporalis, tension, any tenderness? No, no tenderness. Okay, tension, but no tenderness. And then we move through in a systemized approach and the patients are boom, blown away. It's cool. And when, and we that's the biggest comment. New patients come in and they go, I have never had anything like this. And I'm like, I told you we were good. Because the other thing is I have an up, I have something called a UFC and it's not Conor McGregor. <laughs> it's an upfront contract. And I will say to my new patients, uh, often some of them are nervous. A lot of them are nervous. And I say, look, here's the deal. My job is to knock your socks off. I'm going to ensure that this is the best dental visit you've ever had. My job is to knock your socks off to the to the point at which you are very comfortable to go outside and tell everybody that it's the best practice you've ever been to. It's the best you've ever been looked after. Is that okay? Now, no one has ever gone, no, don't knock my socks off. They all go, yeah. And I go, great. Now, here's a presupposition, right, in in, uh, hypnotherapy. Not if I knock your socks off, it's when. So I then go, so when I knock your socks off, can I ask that you will go and tell people how good it was? And they go, yeah, sure. So I've tapped into Cialdini's principles of influence. I future pace them into when I knock your socks off. Cialdini's principles are consistency. When you say you want to do something, there's something in your head that makes you want to do it. And I remind them at the end of the appointment, I go, how was it? And they go, that was, a, that was the best I've ever had. I go, see, told you I was good. And you said that when I knock your socks off, you go and tell people. And so I've been doing this for years, which is why we haven't marketed now for 19 years. No marketing, purely word of mouth, because we set it up. Anybody can do this. And particularly now, if you have a little more downtime, now is the time to begin to play with this with your routine patients, with your new patients that are coming in. Start setting up these upfront contracts of what you can expect from me and to a degree what I expect from you, which is you can expect that I'm going to work my backside off to give you the best experience ever. And when I do, not if I do, when I do, you're going to go and tell everybody how good it was. I love those. I love those presuppositions. You can actually remove the word if from your flipping vocabulary and replace it with when. And it takes a little bit of practice because you'll find yourself about to say the I word, if it, I, when, when, like that after the first few times. And then also another one is if you replace but with and, it actually totally changes the sentence because you, when you say but, it almost sounds it almost sounds like a compromise. And when you say and, it sounds like an additional value increased increasing in compounding the effect. I really like those two. By the way, 
Caldini, 48 Laws of Power. The most recent book that I bought, was that the book that you're referencing? Cialdini. Oh, Ch- ah, mispronounced his name. There's, there's, there's an I there. Is it Cialdini? Cialdini. Cialdini. Show me his book. Show me the book. Show me the book. 48 Laws of Power is just here. This one. Show me, mate. Oh, no, no, no. Sorry, I'm, I'm wrong. I'm wrong. I bought two books recently. I'm getting them mixed up. It's actually... Persuasion. Yeah, yes. yeah, yeah. Sorry. So, I bought this book as well, but it's someone else. It's Robert Green. Robert Green. So Persuasion is his second book. Yeah. Uh Influence is his first book. Gotcha. But I've done a whole I I've I've wrote it into dentistry probably about ten years ago. And I, then, I love this stuff. The power of words is huge. It's so underappreciated. Amazing. We all speak, but very few of us speak, if you know what I mean. Very few of us speak in such a way that it's audibly attractive to other individuals. And these are these mechanisms are the methods that one can undertake. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. 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 You talked about zoning earlier. Mm. Yes. So there are lots of people zoning. Um, If I, I would say the majority are not zoning, those that are typically are zoning where they can zone NHS and private. Um, my clients zone nine, nine zones and, um, the three treatment zones are based on that old, uh, story of sand, pebbles and rocks. You know, the story of the guy with the jar. Real quick, guys, I've put together a special report for dentists entitled The Seven Costly and Potentially Disastrous Mistakes That Dentists Make Whenever It Comes to Their Finances. Most of the time, dentists are going through these issues and they don't even necessarily realize that they're happening until they have their eyes opened. And that is the purpose of this report. You can go ahead and receive your free report by heading on over to www.dentistinvest.com forward slash podcast report. Or alternatively, you can download it using the link in the description. This report details these seven most common issues. However, most importantly, it also shows you how to fix them. I'm really looking forward to hearing your thoughts. Um, something to do with you can get more rocks in if you put the sand in at the end, something like that, right? Yeah, yeah, exactly. So in essence... If you put the sand in and then the pebbles, you'll get one rock in. Yeah. If you put all of the rocks in and then you throw the pebbles in around and give it a little shake and then you throw the sand in and give it a little shake, then you get a lot more in. When it comes to dentistry, the rocks we call are the highly productive treatment that often takes a little bit longer, right? Not always, but often. So we zone our diary Three of them are sand appointments, pebble appointments, and rock appointments. Um, We base it on production, not collection. Very briefly, just to explain that, let's assume that my crown fees are £800. Uh, Let's assume that I've had the conversation with Doris about the fact that her six is broken and it's decayed. That one has to be treated. And in an ideal world, the best treatment is an indirect restoration. I then talk to her about the five and the seven, which have got old amalgams in, not decayed. On our treatment plan, the six is red, immediate. The five and the seven are orange. They're preventative. 
68% of our patients say yes to doing all three. So we have two indirects and one direct. So two, one crown, one inlay, one composite. And let's say that that's 1800 quid. There are thereabouts, 1600 plus two, 1800 quid. Most practices and certainly all corporates split the fees between the preparation fee and the fit fee. And what that does is it means that roughly speaking, you got 900 quid and 900 quid. Well, our rocks are anything that is production worth a thousand or more. In that scenario, our production on appointment number one is 1800 pounds and our production on appointment number two is zero. So appointment number one would be booked in a rock space and appointment number two would be booked into sand. What that does is when we have two to three hours of rock a day, make sure that we are productive every single day. So, for example, I cut my finger so I wasn't in on Monday. I worked Tuesday and Wednesday and I've produced nine and a half grand in those two days. Why? Because rock time is sacrosanct. You cannot book anything into rock time that is under a thousand pounds, apart from 48 hours before. If there's a rock time that's open and available and hasn't been filled, you can stick anything in it with two days to go. So we zone, we zone based on production, which means our production is high. We have the right conversations with patients where it's not single tooth. We give them the opportunity of whether they want to do the five and the seven at the same time. 68% of people say, yeah, that, that makes sense. Let's do it. 32% of people therefore say, no, not right now. And that's fine. I don't, I don't mind whether they do or they don't. But here's the thing. The 32% that say no, they know what's around the corner. We've got it recorded on their notes that we've discussed because we know at some point those orange old amalgams in orange will ultimately become red. We've explained to them the benefits of the contact points and therefore they understand that if we're making a new piece of jewelry on the six, the contact points on the five and the seven, they're not going to be ideal. So they're already aware that there might be some additional cleaning to do because ideally I want to shape that six with an anatomical con convexity. I don't want to cre create the contact point and the marginal ridge, which it's been for 25 years with those amalgams, right? So they already know what's around the corner. We already know what's around the corner. We've got a record of it. It's just a really beautiful way of involving the patient more. I love it. Okay, so I get I get what the rocks appoint, rock appointments are. Yeah. They're anything over a thousand pounds. In production, in correct. Production, right. And is that, and do the appointments have to be of a certain length as well? Or is it just any, anything, no. anything? Oh, no, so the, the specific my... appointment itself is over worth over a thousand. Correct. And that appointment could be 40 minutes. It's usually more likely to be an hour or more. Yeah. And the, the fit appointment could be an hour. If I'm fitting, yeah, for yeah. me, fitting two is 40, maybe 50 minutes. That still goes in sand because it's zero production. Now, it may be that Doris, my patient, pays half on appointment one and half on appointment two. But that's collection, not production. And we want to run our business, even as an associate, I want to run my business mind on my production, not my collection. Production being production, collection being specifically when they pay it. 
Production being the value and of when we perform I'm the doing. Right. Correct. Okay. Because okay. also that production can be over a couple of months because my lab turnaround is three weeks. So if I prep you the third week in November, I'm going to be fitting you probably the second week in December. So what I get paid is based on collection. But what I'm working out of how productive I'm being and how, you know, as a small business, how I'm operating, I'm going to be basing that on productivity and production, not on collection. That's crazy. That's so interesting. I've never heard that before. And does the does the rock time have to be at any particular time of the day? Is it better to have it in the evening? So no. So uh, my nine zones are mapped out. I do a two week rotor, and those two week wrote that two week rotor has been the same for the last eight years. We pay it forward in SOE up until twenty twenty six, whatever it is, because we've then varied where the slots are. And the first and the most important slots that go in are new patient slots, two a day, and treatment planning. Everything else then works around it. So rock time is is I choose ahead of game when I, when I prefer to do big stuff, when I prefer to do my cram preps and things like that. And then um, we vary also sand, because sand or recall exams, um, because that's under £100, we count that as... Anything under 100 is sand, so it's non-productive. So we will also vary in our diary where they are so that we have patients have an option because we used to run our diary based on patients, right? And patients would book ahead for their exams. And in my experience of coaching now, the, the dentists that struggle the most are the dentists that are hugely successful and have been there for 15 years and they don't zone their diary and their patients love them. They love their patients. And they end up doing hours after hours after hours of recall examinations. And then something suddenly comes in where they go, oh, can you do me some composite bonding? And they look at the diary and they go, yeah, uh, it'll be February next year. <laughs> Whereas I've been there for 23 years. And if I see a new patient this week who wants some composite bonding, I can see them within two weeks. That's amazing. And it, it just means we're productive, productive, productive. That's awesome. And it obviously works because that is the figure that you said earlier is quite the gross for three days a week. And you're, you know, I would have thought your, your, your crown prices were higher. I mean, that's pretty, pretty average crown price. 790 for a crown. Yes. That's, that is good value. Like there's people yeah. who are more, way more than that, you know, yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and, and don't gross as much. So I would say our, so last four months was, uh, 58, 68, 54, 71 were the last four months gross. And typically then that what, what we share. So when we put these systems in with clients, so we had a, uh, our weekly meeting, our weekly coaching call. Uh, one of our clients said she's had the best financial month she's had in 13 years of running two practices. Uh, another client said he's had the best that he's had in the last 10 years. And it's, and they both put it down to the zoning and the examination process because it's exposing patients to having more choice. And what happens when we have more choice, we tend to choose more. Awesome. I love it. That's cool, man. Cool, 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 cool. That's a top, top tip is that one. There was one more thing you mentioned as well at the start. There was, there was a few things that, and you were like, these are the, these are the, these are the top ones. These are the most 
important things to do when you make a practice more profitable? Or is that my memory playing tricks on me? Was there another one? No, no, no. Well, as a couple, really, it's I'm I'm a I love giving upfront contracts, like I said. Um it's making sure that patients are told everything. We're not just problem solving. So I think our biggest influencer is how we treatment plan and treatment present. Mm -hmm. And we use a traffic like system of treatment presentation. So patients get a guided tour of ultimately of every single tooth. We never treatment present on the day we do the new patient consult. It's always a week later. Uh, and we present three treatment plans, red, amber, green. Red is anything that is diseased and is required in order to be dentally fit. So decay, uh, a fractured tooth, any perio, things like that. Orange is preventative. In other words, it's not essential that you do this, James. We just want you to know that you can do that because when you look at the decay in the six, the amalgams in the five and the seven were done at roughly the same time. We can't guarantee that they are decay free. I can't see any and I can't see any on the X-ray. But you have the option and the choice of whether you'd like to do those at the same time. We explain about contact points. We explain about strength of tooth. The fact that you're only in once to do well, two visits to do all three. We do them at the same time with the same injection. There's a benefit to you. No, no, no more time off work. All of the stuff. Right. Uh, and then we also have the treatment plan, which is green, which is whitening, straightening, filling spaces, facial cosmetics, anything like that. And we say, look, whether you wish to whiten or not is kind of irrelevant. The key is that before we do any of the work that you want to have done and need to have done, it's important that we've just explained to you that you could whiten if you wanted to. Whoops, sorry, mate. I, I, I was uh, looking at the feed just then and I just cut you off slightly. Really sorry about that. You said okay. just after the green treatment plan, you were saying any, any of the treatment that you want or need to? So green is additional stuff. So... Yeah. It's like whitening or straightening, and it's not important whether you do it. It's just important that you've been told so you can choose whether you do it because often we do that first. Got you. That's awesome. That's cool. that's, a, that's a novel way of doing that. Is that something that you coined yourself? or? Yeah. You... Uh, well, well, Chloe and I. So um, Chloe is my wife and was my TCO. She now goes into practices and implements our TCO process for them and, and helps them develop that. It's actually – it's simple – it, it's it's easy. It's not simple to implement. Once you're doing it, it's simple, but it has a profound effect because typically that doubles your production. So typically our clients will be massively increasing their turnover, even if they are doing well already by just these little changes of conversations of the use of the word buts, right? You, you mentioned the word but, but negates what comes before it just by changing how you describe something. So I used to say, James, you could crown that tooth, but a filling is cheaper. Yeah. Everybody did the filling. And when you change that and you go, James, you could you could fill that, which is cheaper, but to preserve the tooth and for it to last a long time, a crown is better. Everybody started crowning. So using language as part of how you're explaining, based on integrity, right? Because the crown is the better option. My job is to ensure that I help my patients make the best choices. So be be aware of your language. Talk more about what you're doing so that a patient can understand that and they begin to 
feel more value because if they value you and they value what you're providing, they're less likely to bugger off. They're less likely to cancel their plan, have the right language skills to answer questions over the next 24, 48 months when people go, I'm thinking of canceling my plan is having the right language to answer those questions where the patient goes, okay, yeah, that makes sense. I love it. One to add on top of all the things that you said, here is a huge one for me. Any word that is not positive, remove it from your vocabulary. What do I mean by that? Instead of saying, instead of saying something is bad, say something is not so good. Instead of saying that this, you know, what, what we're very, what we're very good at doing is saying that something is a bad treatment option versus a good treatment option. We always, you know, if, if, if it wouldn't be a treatment option unless there was some sort of actual net positive gain there from doing it. So instead of saying that, why don't we can say this one is good. This one is better in terms of longevity or make some sort of comparison. The second I eliminated any negative word from my vocabulary, particularly painful, when you say something's not going to be painful, they still hear the word pain. You can say the total opposite of that. You can say this will be comfortable. And you're saying the same thing. You're still saying it's not going to be painful, but you're just using words that are so much more pleasing on the air. And then the patient hears the word comfortable rather than the word pain, even when you're saying it's going to be the opposite of painful. I really like that one. I agree. <laughs> cool, cool, cool. We had a question that came in, actually. Barry, oh, so let's go ahead and answer that. Uh, let's have a little look down here. Kira O'Connell, shout out to Kira O'Connell. How do you, how do your patients react to paying before they have received their fit, as in fitting their crowns or lab work? Otherwise, I've had resistance to this in the past. Great. Uh, hi, Kira. Thanks for your question. So the way that we're calculating production is the value of the treatment that I've provided. Um, we will offer our patients to pay everything up front, and many of them choose to. But downstairs as well, we offer that they can pay half of it now and half at the fit. I'm still calculating what I'm doing on production, which is it's all produced, even though it's not collected. So I would definitely want my patients to be paying. Ideally, I like them to pay up front, but it's not essential. It's not essential. And I don't, I certainly wouldn't fight them on that. I'm I'm using it as a calculation for what our production is, not necessarily what our collection is. And I hope that answers is that we don't, not everybody pays everything up front at the at the uh, time however we have reception that will explain to patients so your your total investment that's the word your total investment for everything that barry's going to be doing is 1800 pounds would you like to pay that today which means that you're not paying anything when you come on your second visit and if the patient goes okay that makes sense then fine if they want to spread it out then that's fine as well we don't i don't mind either way I, I like what you've done there, actually, because there's actually something very subtle there. And perhaps you do this intentionally. I'm not sure, but I'm just going to point it out. What you've done there is you've actually offered them an incentivized reason to pay the, as far as they're concerned to pay it all up front all at once. Right. Because too many pay. people. This is the thing. So you said, oh, you can pay it now. And then what that means is we're all square and we're all we're, we're, we're all fair and square, we're all even, you know, there's nothing to pay going forwards, right? And they're like, oh, okay, that makes sense. Then I'll square up all my debts and then we're good to go. And then from this point onwards, we're all good, right? Whereas if we just say, can you pay that all today? Something like that, it's a lot more abrupt, first of all. 
And second of all, how that comes across is that we're actually being self-interested by asking them to pay. If we fully explain why there's an advantage for the other person to do it, then we've just incentivized it. We've got them to see the incentive because there is an incentive. We've just articulated that. 100%. Yeah. Would you like to, which means that if you, whenever you make a suggestion or something to somebody, it's much easier for you to insert the which means than to give it to them. Because if I say to you, um, would you like to pay £1,800 today? You might go, £1,800 today, which means that I won't have any money left in my bank account, or which means that when I get home, I'm going to get it in the neck, or which means that. If I say to you, would you like to pay the balance today, which means that next time you come, there won't be anything else to pay, and it means that you just, you know, you're done and dusted. Yeah. I'm inserting the positivity of the which means because it's about it's about effectively communicating or selling the benefit. I like that. Yeah. Well, this is the thing. People, there's two ways that people move. There's two incentives effectively, okay, that you can give someone, right? We can either give them a punitive incentive, like if this, if you don't do this, then this bad thing will happen. Or we can give them, we can dangle the carrot and say this good thing will happen, right? Now, the energy of a negative thing is all wrong. You don't want that to be your dental practice whatsoever. That just creates bad juju. That creates a bad relationship going forwards, which could fester and lead to issues further down the line. Plus, as well as that, it's actually more effective when you incentivize things too. It actually works better. It actually is more likely to yield you the result that you want. That is from another book, actually, which is over there in the corner called How to Win Friends and Influence People. And when I read that, I always did incentivize people, but it made me triple down even more. And it made me so much more conscious that actually every single time you articulate something, in which instance there is you're relying on somebody else to do something when you allow them to see the incentive as it for them specifically, not just for you, they are so much more likely to do it. Can I, can I add, do you mind if I add something to that, mate? Love to, love to hear it. Um, just from a slightly different perspective, uh, how to win friends and influence, influence people. Brilliant book, uh, circa 1940, 1942. Mm-hmm. And um, what I like about Dale Carnegie is he's wholly positive. Mm-hmm. It doesn't take into account, though, that through the 70s, 80s and 90s, we've become much more aware of people's psychology and personality preferences. Mm-hmm. There is a personality preference in neurolinguistic programming called um, direction filter. Mm-hmm. So I will find out by by once one question, the one question that makes the biggest difference in a conversation with a patient, it will tell me their direction filter. And let me explain very briefly. It's how we're motivated, right? So in terms of dentistry, you can have people that are motivated. They want healthy teeth. They want to be white and bright and a beautiful smile. And they want them to be beautifully shaped and well-organized and lovely. You then have some people who I don't want crooked teeth. I don't want them to be yellow. I don't want them to be broken, chipped. I don't want any pain. I don't want to lose any. I don't want to fall out. Now, the net result is the same. However, the way that they are motivated to do what we want them to do is very different. So it's worth being aware that not everybody is motivated towards a goal. Some people are motivated to move away from what they don't want. 
So when we're talking dentistry, if I've asked the question that I ask and the patients go, look, I don't want to lose any teeth and I don't want any problems, then I'm just going to mirror that back to them and say, you said to me, it's important that you don't want to lose any teeth. You don't want any problems. And you told me that you don't want yellow teeth. This is what I'd recommend in order to do that. So I, I, I just want anybody watching or listening to be aware that if somebody is telling you in the don't want, I don't want, I don't want, it's good to use the away froms as well as the towards. Gotcha. No, that's added an extra layer of insight onto what I was saying. So thank you for that. Barry, we've just about got time for one final question, which has just come in the chat. And that's from Kriti Mahendra. Shout out to Kriti Mahendra. And Kriti has said, how do you put a cost on a new patient exam? That's the fir- Okay, there's actually a few questions here. That's the first one. Go for it. Oh, well, well that, that was it. That was it. How do I put a cost on a new patient exam? Um, I I purposely believe that I am cheap. Um, and that is because the way that we do our new patient exam knocks their bloody spot, knocks their socks off and tends to uh, result in quite a ma- uh, quite a large amount of wants-based dentistry. So our new patient exam, I think, is 79 quid. And then x-rays are charged on top. So it works out about 110 pounds. And let me tell you what you get for that. You get 40 minutes with my treatment coordinator, first of all, to find out a lot more about what's going on. Then you get 24 photographs, uh, intraoral scan with my one of my top nurses. And then you get me. I do the clinical examination and we take any radiographs. And then a week later, you get up to an hour and a half to come back and sit with my TCO. All of that for 110 quid. Now, that is a bargain. Well, that is a bargain. But actually, guess what's grossing us 70,000? Me personally, 70 grand on three days a week is that is that whole process. So that whole process is a complete loss leader in winning this patient and knocking their socks off. And we're presenting comprehensively then. And our patients are like, yeah, I want to do that. It's great. Let's do that. Quick, tiny tangent question. That's awesome, by the way, what you just said. Quick, tiny tangent question. What do you think? What do you think to free new patient consultations? Good idea or bad idea? I think a free new patient consultation is a great idea if (laughs) it's not with the dentist. Okay. Yeah. Not with the dentist. uh, And it's with a team member. And it's purely for orientation, meet and greet, not their socks off in terms of this is who we are. This is what we do. This is how we look after you. Um, I am not a fan of free consultations by dentists uh, because uh, I am worth more than that. Uh, What I do do, I do do when I have a facial aesthetics patient who's not been to me before is we will charge a nominal fee. And if they go ahead with treatment, we will discount that fee off the treatment if it's there and then. But I will not do free consultations as a dentist for patients. And with our word of mouth recommendation, like I said, we've not marketed for 19 years. I don't have to do that. I will pop down. So if somebody's come in, they want to talk about implants or something, I will pop down and say hello and just kind of breeze in. Hi, I'm Barry. Lovely to meet you. You know, if you feel that we're a really good fit for you and you want to come and see me, I look forward to seeing you and uh, getting all the information and the data that's required 
uh, I just wanted to come and say hi. So that's literally it. Cool. I actually would agree with you that I think that patients value it more when there's some sort of investment for the new patient exam. Um, also, I've been in I've been in the I've been in dental surgeries that have done both. I've been in ones that have charged and also ones that have not charged for the dentist's time. Sometimes when you don't charge, you get these people who come with uh, the mindset that actually they just want to try to get everything as many things as they possibly can for free. So what I found was that they wouldn't let me take x-rays because there was a nine pound charge for the x-rays. And I'm like, come on, I can't do a full job. And then also as well as that, you'd find yourself writing lots of referrals to the hospital and stuff and spending like a good 30 minutes doing that. I feel like at least when there's some sort of investment that tends to happen less because they're already primed to understand that actually for you to do your job right, some there needs to be something that they invest in you, something, some sort of exchange financially, only so you can do a better job and actually serve them more. And can I give you another tangent that's just come to my head? And that is, yeah. I was lecturing a few months ago and somebody just happened to say, when you've got a new patient who's in pain, what do you do then? And I, my, I'm very clear on this. I will never, ever do a new patient examination and get them out of pain. Let me, let me clarify that. You're either a pain patient and I'm looking after your problem for today mm-hmm. or we're doing a new patient consultation. I cannot do both and I can't do justice to both. So it's explained on the phone uh, when they go, oh, I'm in pain. I need a new patient. It's what we're going to do is we're going to book you to see Barry for what we call a problem appointment. And the fee for a problem appointment, I think, is more than a new patient. It's about similar, 195, 110, whatever. And Barry's going to work on this in order to get you out of pain. Now, if I have a new patient consultation come in and they've got a rough tooth or something like that, of course, I'm going to polish it. But if they've got a proper pain, I'm going to say to them, look, what I really want to focus on today is I want to focus on getting you comfortable, finding out what's causing the pain. And then to serve you in the best way, I'm going to if you're happy with the way that I've looked after you, then I'm going to invite you to come back. I'm going to invite you to come back for a full new patient consultation. Um, I don't want to mix those both up because I really want to focus on the the acute thing that's going on right now. So my advice to anybody that's in that situation is never do both. It's either a problem appointment to help them and sort a problem out, or it's the new patient consultation. Don't combine because you end up losing the value in the new patient consult because you're having to deal with the problem and that's really what they need to get done. So they're not listening to really what's yeah. gone elsewhere. Plus, I found out to my own detriment, patient came in for a new patient consult. This is years ago, had uh, irreversible pulpitis in a tooth. And I went, da, 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 I'll solve it. Uh, opened, extirpated. Then she came back. We quoted for the endo, uh, for the core and the crown. We did all of that. We finished it. Then she came back for a new patient consult. We took bite wings and she had decay in multiple teeth, did a treatment plan. And she went, well, I've just, I've just blown all my money on one tooth. And I was like, oh my God. So now I will get them out of pain and they go, look, can you do that? And I'm like, I will do that for you. Now that you're comfortable and out of pain, I will do that when we've identified what else might need to be done so that you can make your best choice with your investment of where you spend your money. And if it's just that tooth, great. But if it's other teeth, 
that might influence what you choose to do with this one. I agree. And I've also been there before. I've also been there. And I, I think that probably most people learn that the hard way, don't they yeah. really? Because we, it's again, it's with the, it's pulling off the shirt. It's the Superman logo. It's the cape, all of that stuff. And you jump straight in because you do, you want to help them, right? Of course. But yeah. actually there's a better way to do that. And that's by pausing and breathing and looking at the bigger picture, taking off the blinkers. Also, as well as that, when you have free new patient exams, Sometimes you will get people and then you have like charged emergency appointments. You'll sometimes get people who will ask for the new patient exam because it's free and then come with a problem anyway. And then then there's this whole dynamic where they think it's free for you to get them out of pain. And it's uh, I'm not I'm not a fan either. I'm really I don't do don't do free clinicians. Don't do free or complimentary, whatever you want to call it. The complimentary is with a team member to show them around and demonstrate how bloody lovely we are. Love that. And That's I what agree. I would say. I wholeheartedly agree. And I never actually really realized all the, the faults with that model until I saw them in the rear view mirror. I just accepted it for what it is. Whereas I look back now and I think, what the flip? Anyway, final question. Yeah. Uh, it's the second part of Critty's question from earlier. Yeah. Do you ask, are your recalls the same price as your new patient exams? I don't think they are. Are they, Barry? Uh... I think they're very, 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 very similar. Um, oh, okay. As in, bearing in mind that our recalls don't need radiographs, um, we c- I could find out. <laughs> I have to be honest. <laughs> I have fine. to be honest. I, they're not. They're not dissimilar. But I'll be honest. I don't entirely know. Uh, I don't really get involved with that because to me, the recalls again are just, you know. They're sand. Are they longer or shorter in appointment time or the same? They're shorter, considerably. Uh, New patient exam, 30 minutes. So you've got to to realize, so I I operate slightly differently. A new patient exam is 40 minutes with my TCO, and then it's in my diary for 40 minutes. Nice. That's a lot of time. But I'm I'm only in there for about 20. Got you. Because TCO comes up and is explaining to me all the information that I've asked her to get. She's asked the 20-year question. She's telling me their direction filter, their chunk size, some personality preferences. Whilst that's happening, my nurse is taking 24 photos doing a scan. So they're in the room and my nurse is scanning. Listen, the reason I produce so much is that I like to say I am the laziest dentist on the planet. I want to do as little as possible of the things that other people can do, probably do better than me, that enhances their job and their enjoyment and frees me up to be more productive. I really would like to spend as much time as possible only doing the things that I really love to do and that are hugely productive. That means that I do as little as possible of talking to patients. I've trained somebody else to do that. So I don't present treatment plans. I don't do pre and post-op instructions. I don't do consent. It's all done for me. I don't do scans, radiographs, impressions. Um, I do as little as possible of those things that my amazing team are capable of doing and ultimately get paid more for doing, which means that I'm just more productive, productive, productive. Um, So my time for a recall exam is in my diary for 20 minutes. But we have a system where it's called, we have a check-in process where the nurse 
that's with that patient. We'll have a conversation about what we're doing today and up the upfront contract. And then we have a process that we coined from Kathy Jameson in the, in America called the three to five minute checkout, where I bugger off to see another patient. And my nurse then goes through a three to five minute checkout of explaining to the patient what he just did, what we're doing next time, what the estimate is for next time, when we're going to book it, so on and so forth. And then carries literally escorts the patient down to reception to get booked. So we have a beautiful systemized approach to a five star patient journey. And the idea is that my involvement is as much as possible involving a handpiece. Because that's where I'm at my happiest and that's where I'm at my most productive. And also, as well as that, something that I've got into recently is conserving your energy. So what it means is the things that you do spend that energy on, you can do them to the best of your ability rather than trying to spread yourself too thinly. Because ultimately, every single person on this earth has a finite amount of energy. Some have more, some have less. However, when you can manage that and get the most out of it, then you can make yourself as effective and as efficient as possible. And I really like that. Yeah. Nice. Barry, you've been super generous with your time today. Thank you so much for coming along to. The Anytime, buddy. Best Thank group. you for having me. It's lovely to see you again. My pleasure, my friend. I hope you have a smashing day and a smashing Christmas. We're going to speak before then, so I don't need to say that. Of course we are. Of course, course we are. are. Tough stuff, mate. Always good to see you. See you later. Bye-bye. Take care, man. If you enjoyed this podcast, please hit follow or subscribe so you can stay up to date with information on new podcasts which are released weekly. Please also feel free to leave a positive review so others can learn about this podcast and benefit from it. I would also encourage any fans of the podcast to sign up to the free Facebook community from which the podcast originated. Please search Dentists Who Invest on Facebook and hit join to become part of a community of thousands of other dentists interested in improving their finances, well-being and investing knowledge. Looking forward to seeing you on there.